Welcome to Plateau Partners Pulse. This is a podcast about business, networking, and ideas. And I am joined today by John Septon, which I already, every time I give away the first answer to the first question, which is, what's your name? But I am excited to have you in this episode. You are my guy. You're my go-to. And I was saying before we started rolling that you are a really nice counterpoint to my, at times, frenetic pace. You are very calming, which is exactly what you want in, in what you do. So welcome. Thank you very much. See, I mean, guys, like how calm is this? So John, what do you do? What's your business name? Wardlaw Insurance or Independent Insurance Agency. See what I mean? I mean, he's a man of few words. I mean, this is like having John Wayne as your insurance guy. <laughs> <laughs> he's just like calm. Um, so tell me a, b- a little bit about your business. Well, we're an independent insurance agency, and that means that we carry, uh, we represent rather, uh, multiple preferred auto and home carriers, where a captive agency, good companies, of course, uh, farmers, for example, or state farm, they have one carrier that they, that they actually are employees of. And then on top of that, about half of my business is commercial business insurance. Yeah, it is. Um, I have learned how nice it is after having to fund insurance for four children, two of whom are boys, and you know the the price differential in insuring boys versus girls. It is nice to have a choice, yes, and it is. you know the fact that you're able to shop around and really see what's going to give you the most bang for your buck, and um, that is a really nice thing that I've noticed. Um, and working with you, that you really do have multiple places that you can go to. Well, it's good to hear you say that. Well, you know, I'm your biggest fan. <laughs> so, um, so obviously that makes you different in that, as you say, normally if it's someone else, they're only working with uh, one company. How long have you been doing this again? I'm in my 18th year. Wow. Okay. Now, um, speaking of duration of time, how long have you been in BNR? Eight years. I'll be starting my ninth year in February. Wow. I'm always impressed that people know their anniversary date. I am trying to rack my brain to think about when I joined, and I don't know. It's been a fever dream. <laughs> Maybe because I, I've been president for this past year. You've been a bit busy. I've been a little bit busy. What do you appreciate most about being a member of BNI, generally? The relationships. Mm-hmm. No question. It, it is uh, very dynamic. Mm-hmm. It is. And do you think that that is unique in our chapter? Do you think that that's all chapters? You know, what what do you think is unique about our chapter? I don't know because I've never belonged to another chapter. I was introduced to another business networking group before I joined BNI, and uh, I had no aspirations of joining any uh, business referral group after that experience until I was invited to BNI. My suspicion is, and this is what I hear from other members of other chapters, is is that our chapter is special. I don't know if we're the biggest or if we have the most referral dollars per person and all of that, but uh, I think the relationships are remarkable. Mm-hmm. Well, I know that one thing that was really important to our leadership team and one thing that has carried over is this idea that you know, we are a larger chapter and generally we do well with our numbers, but I think we really value the idea of a qualitative experience 
with the understanding that if you have a qualitative experience, it's going to have quantitative results. And I think that makes a big difference. And so that goes into that relationship piece that you're talking about. Well, I agree. I agree. Uh, the first time I was invited, there was about 45 people in the group. As I said before, I, hadn't, I wasn't going to join. I was going as a out of respect to a friend of mine who invited sure. me. And the quality of the people in, uh, had blown me away. And there was some very sarcastic, dry sense of humor, which just cracked me up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you've carried that on nicely, I might add. Um, and um, there was also a lot of competition. So my, I told everybody this, my ego got sucked into it. I had to see if I could get a spot. I wanted to join, mm-hmm. um, but there were six other agents there. Yeah. Nailed it. Stuck the landing. Of course you did. You are a gentleman and a scholar of insurance. It's true. You are. It's very nice of you to say that. So the words like, no, and trust are a big cornerstone of the BNI culture and belief system. Mm -hmm. They are the whole real basis of that relationship piece. And it defines who the people are in the group. What are three words that do you think would be associated with you and your business? Hopefully integrity would be one. We strive to put our customers' interests first and foremost, even if that means giving up some business. Mm -hmm. And we have breadth. Uh, We have a lot to offer. Mm -hmm. And to continue my tradition of adding my own thoughts, as I said, I kid you not, I have met very few gentlemen in my 50 years on this planet, and you truly are a gentleman. The most thoughtful person, if I refer someone to you, you send a note. If you have noticed that I have had a hard time with something, you have reached out with a phone call or an email, and you have acknowledged it. And there is just such a strong moral compass and sense of integrity that has I'm sure it's overlapped into all of your careers. I think it's just who you are. It's the bedrock of who you are. And yet with this career of selling insurance for the past 18 years, that is such a nice combination as a client. So. Well, thank you. I'm just going to add that. Uh, So what is something that is maybe something people don't know about you? I was an only child, not in the actual sense of the term. But I was. Uh, my brother was 18 years old when I was born. Oh, yeah. Oh. Mom was going down for a checkup. Dad was looking at retirement and took up a game of golf. And uh, <laughs> as I understand, he was quite angry. I, I'm surprised you're not named Golf. <laughs> and that lasted for about five minutes until he broke out into laughter. But um, my sister was 23 and she was pregnant with her third child. So my sister was uh, pregnant with her third child at the same time my mother was pregnant with me. There was a mother-daughter photograph taken in the Eastside Journal at that time. This is like father of the bride stuff. Which I don't know if was a good thing in the 50s. Uh, it was frowned upon. It was kind of like, what are those Seftons doing? Well, but it was the same couple. Thinking. I mean, it's not like, you know, your mom was no, off. My father was 48. My mother was 43. Which is so young these days. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, but not back then. So growing up... Uh, and my brother was out of the house. I was the only kid there. So, and you know, it really wasn't that much fun early on. Um, and so, the high school that I went to has a huge Catholic parish right behind it. Mm-hmm. I knew you were Catholic. 
So I didn't date that much in high school, but the girls that I did date came from Catholic families. So I think the average family back then was five or six. Large was 15, 16. And I just loved it. I absolutely loved it. And so uh, so that's why I had three children. If, if we could have afforded it, I would have had four or five. Oh, was I supposed to be able to afford my children? <laughs> <laughs> my bad. <laughs> just love it. Yeah. Well, and what's interesting is the thing that has um, stayed with you clearly is you're okay in the silence. You are somebody that, you know, you don't need to fill up the space, but you love, you also love being a witness to all the craziness. Mm -hmm. And I, I appreciate that. I'm a youngest, but my brothers are seven, five and seven years older and birth order and that whole idea of where you are in your family is so important. You know, as you say, you weren't an only child, but in the birth order idea, if there's a certain amount of time that's passed, you're essentially the attributes of an only child. Mm -hmm. And I am definitely have some of those attributes, but mostly I'm the spoiled youngest child. <laughs> I'm also the only girl, so <laughs> it's a prime position. Um, so what are some frequently asked questions that people have for you with your business? What companies do you represent? Well, yeah, that makes sense. If it's on the commercial side, there's a lot of questions. Do you do this? Do you do that? What's the estimated cost going to be? And that's asked a lot, uh, which is extremely difficult to answer. And so I try to always hold off on giving them a figure. Sure. I just politely say, why don't you let me do the work? And I'll get you a physical quote. Mm -hmm. And I may have figures in mind in a, in a range within hundreds or a couple thousand dollars, depending on what it is. but. Um, I could be wrong when I give them a figure. Right. Because things change. They, they change all the time. Markets change constantly. Mm -hmm. Change. Uh, rates change constantly. So it's, it's very difficult. And if you work up numbers for somebody, is there an obligation for them to then switch insurance? Absolutely not. See, I knew the answer to that, but that would be a frequently asked question for me. I mean, nothing we do, there's – and I may point out something else uh, – the law has changed in the state of Washington where you do not have to have your broker's license to charge a fee. So wholesale brokers, which are the only people that deal with them, are retail agents like myself to get access to companies like Lloyd's, for example. They make their money on fees. Agents make their money on commission. But since the law has changed, you do not have to have a broker's license to charge a fee. So I had a gentleman last year, and I won't name the agency, uh, but he came to me and he said, can you tell me what this fee is? And I said, yeah, the agency is charging you a fee. He was a very small handyman contractor. His premium was $900 and the agency was charging him a $600 fee. Good for the agency's pocketbook, but not, not very fair to the insured. So I just explained to him that we don't charge fees. Right. Wow. I mean, that that is essentially double, which for a small business owner yes. is... A substantial amount of money. And that is not typical. Um, that's on the very high end. Um, and that, that's a, a, a perfect business model that I, I do not subscribe to. Yeah, of course you don't. Okay, John. I'm very curious about this one. What is your favorite curse word? Oh. Jackie Gleason. Yes. Yes. Love it. 
That's amazing. And of course, a classy answer. And it's a lot of, it's a lot softer than some other terrible words out there. It you know? is. That's yeah. so good. Of course, it was going to be a classy answer. Okay. Well, <laughs> we are going to take a quick break and then we are going to come back and we are going to talk more with John Sefton and more about insurance. So we will be right back with Plateau Partners Pulse. You've worked hard to build your life and business. Can you protect them if needed? Do you know where to start? Any lawyer can provide information and advice. A good lawyer will help resolve challenges that arise. I'm Justin Park of Romero Park. Our lawyers provide advice unique to your situation and advocate for you by finding creative and cost-sensitive solutions that protect you. We care because even when it's just business, it's still personal. Visit RomeroPark.com or call 425-450-5000. Welcome back to Plateau Partners Pulse. I am here with John Sefton of Borderline Insurance. And so I happen to know a little bit about John's past and that he hasn't sold insurance his whole life, but he's been doing it for the past 18 years. And why this agency? Why insurance? first of all, I guess. And then why this agency and a, an agency versus a specific company? As you mentioned at the top of the episode, there's there's different ways that you can go. So give me a little background on your history coming into insurance and then you know the history of your agency. Okay. Uh, for about 23 years, I was uh, involved in men's clothing and shoes. Worked for a local company by the name of Nordstrom for about 18 years. Oh, that little small store? Different positions, buying positions, management positions. Had a lot of fun over the years. 2002, I think because of my age and knowledge uh, and the fact that they were cutting back on my payroll dollars with the same expectation, um, I wasn't drinking the Kool-Aid anymore, mm -hmm. so to speak. And I wanted more independence. So I left in November of 2002, took the holidays off for the first time in 16 years, which oh. I still cherish the day after Christmas and the day after Thanksgiving, not having to be somewhere at 7 a.m. Oh, if you've worked retail ever during the holidays, mm -hmm. like you never forget, like it's like a bad smell. It's a tough deal. And, and you never forget that. And so you're so appreciative. Yeah. So, so um, I took the holidays off and explained to my wife that I will have a job by the end of the first quarter. And uh, everything went as long as like we normally do. And it was easy because we had good savings and my wife has a good job. And I had a couple of ideas. And one of them, I went to speak with my insurance agent who had invited me to get in the business in the early 90s. Okay. Two reasons I didn't go. I was still having a lot of, lot of fun at Nordstrom. Mm -hmm. And my wife, who's in the claims end of the business, had a very low opinion of insurance agents and really poo-pooed the idea. Okay. So I went, I visited him and he explained to me. He said, what are your goals? And I said, well, I don't want a ceiling on what I can make. Mm-hmm. So I want to work harder. I should be able to make more money. And I do not want to be in the corporate world anymore. In other words, when I'm sitting at my desk, I don't want, I do not want somebody to have the ability to sit opposite me and slam their fist on my desk and make demands at me. Mm -hmm. I said, I'm done with that. And he said, okay, so well, the easiest way to do it is to get a salary for five years. Then you're on commission with the captives, but you're With not the captives. That would be farmers or Allstate or somebody like that. So they pay you an X amount of dollars on a salary per year. Theoretically, they, they lose money on you years one and two, break even on three, make their money back on four and five, and then you're on commission. But you will still have a sales manager that could tell you what to do. And you are, you're still an employee of a corporation. And you have one line to sell. 
He says, we have, at that time, we had four lines to sell. Obviously, we've, we've grown over the last 18 years. And he says, but it's tougher because you start out with zero. And you you eat what you kill. And so, uh, that appealed to me. The challenge appealed to me. The rest of it appealed to me. And and, and uh, I started and I wrote my first policy on February 27th, 2003. Oh, at the end of the first quarter. Yeah. So, uh, uh, I was, they say it takes you four years. Uh to, to make a decent living, I was I was making more in my fourth year than I would have if I had stayed at Nordstrom. Became a partner in 06, 07, and did my first and last acquisition uh, a little over three years ago. I purchased a small agency in Kirkland, which was really kind of neat because there's a lot of people in that book that I've known all my life. Sure. Uh, that's pretty cool. In fact, one lady knew my sister. Oh, I didn't even know my sister. She was. She passed away when I was when I was four years old. She passed away from lupus. Wow. Yeah. So that's so there's a lot of a lot of cool things, um, and, it, and it's it's been a lot of fun. Why did I choose this? Because I, I love selling a product, and I love dealing with people. And so the first time I met with the Safeco people, the regional guy kicks back in his chair and he laughs and he says, "Tell me how you segue from that into this," and that's that's all it is. The principles are the same. Mm -hmm. The differences are you're selling a luxury item versus a pile of paper. But this you got to have. Well, and this you don't have to have. I mean, do you think that security is a luxury? You know, you have to have car insurance, you know, to drive a car, right? right? It's a necessity. So it's a necessity. Right. But, and I guess these days you have to have home insurance and things like that. But I think people skimp on that. I, you know, and I think that's where a good broker comes in. And making sure that do, you, yes. Yes. you don't because they yes. think that they don't have the money to pay for that. Right. You know, it's really interesting. I have found over the years that uh, the people that have made it financially and have a lot of assets and are well-educated, they want that agent. They want somebody they can hold accountable and somebody that they can ask questions and get good advice from. A lot of times they'll ask me legal questions and I'll say, you know, my advice is as good as the sheepskin hanging on my wall. And they'll say, why don't you call your counsel? Well, he charges by the phone call. But they do want that, some, somebody to, to hold accountable and somebody to talk to and, and the ability to, hey, John, we had a bump, a little bit of a, a you know, accident in a parking lot. And we don't know if we want to turn it in or not. I'd like to talk to you about it. They could do that with me. And if they don't want to turn in a claim, it doesn't go any further. If you're with a direct writer, you don't have that option. And if you decide it's not in your best interest to turn in a claim, it may show up on your clue report. It may not. But if it shows on your clue report as an accident with nothing paid out, some insurance companies count that and some do not. Yeah. And, you know, and it's funny, the, the Safeco guy that said, you know, how do you transition? You know, there's no offense to him, but he's not seeing that, as you said, you like the interaction in the sales piece. You're a salesman and you like a quality product mm-hmm. and you like offering people something that fits them, something that is custom to their needs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you didn't sell one line of shirts or shoes. You had, you know, what fits your lifestyle, what fits your budget, what fits your quirks and, you know, your bunion and your 
thick neck or, you know, your long arms. And so you're doing so the same thing. Yeah, very, very true. So there's, there's really more of a connection there than, than you would think. So now with the insurance piece, so obviously you've done very well with, with that piece. And it is so important. I mean, we, when I started subbing for Bruce and had the opportunity to come into the chapter and get to know various members and learn about their businesses, there were just certain people that I was like, oh yeah, I have to do business with them. And I remember having you take a look at our insurance and was very struck by the fact that you really went through it all and took a look and said, I can give you much more coverage. And, you know, there's a little bit of a savings. And that was really important. We've got four kids and we've got four cars that we're insuring. And two of the drivers are teenage boys. The husband drives like he's a teenage boy, which by the way, he got another ticket. And, um, <laughs> and you can take all that into account. And it doesn't just become a part of a matrix where you're like, okay, let's put this in. I mean, you may, but it doesn't feel that way. Yeah, no matrix. And that's, a, that's really important. And, you know, to be able to, as you say, call and um, have that conversation and find the thing that's going to make the most sense for people. And you think of really great questions for people to consider and options for them to have. And that's partly, as we said, your nature and what you did with sales. Do you think that that's unique to, is that something that you also learned from your partner and the way that he approaches things? You know, is that unique to you? I think a lot of it is just who you are as a person, but definitely my mentor for first day, we do what's been best interest for the client. You'll see a lot of agents, and the first thing they'll ask is, well, how much does this company pay in commission? What's your percentage? This is, of course, when we're signing a contract with somebody. Of course, we talk about that, but that's the only time we talk about it. In fact, my interview to join the BNI group was, one of the questions was, do you steer towards incentives? And what he meant was, for example, met property and casualty at the time was offering a $75 Visa gift card. For every auto home package you wrote during a certain time frame, right? And I explained to him, I said, we don't think in those terms. So if I'm going out shopping for a client, auto and home package, and I'm broke, whatever, and that is number two on the value list, then I write it with the number one. Mm -hmm. If it turns out Met is great, great. I write a policy and I get a $75 gift card. But a lot of reps get frustrated with me because they're always, you know, hey, got to get involved in this contest. Got to get involved in this contest. Mm. And it's just not me. I, I do what's best for the client. So what's the point? I mean, if I'm really focusing on the contest, how can I be focusing on their best interests at the same time? Right. I, I don't see how you do that. So. Um, it's like when drug reps drop off like, you know, candies at doctor's offices, right? You know, it's like you know, should you take like Advil or Tylenol? And it's like, okay, well, who had the better like gift package? Right. And like, that's the person I'm going to be loyal to. Right. Exactly. And it may not be the right thing for the patient, but it's like, well, you know, with them, I'm going to get this. Yes. Yes. And I, and I must say, I had already been in the business, uh, men's clothing business prior to joining Nordstrom. Mm -hmm. 
But the thing I miss about Nordstrom is, is the quality of the people that I worked with. And Bruce included. He, he, he'd buy for this. But I mean, there was, um, I'll give you an example. I was running the downtown Seattle floor and I was new. And I sent some shoes out to be resold to our cobbler that we use. And he walks up and he hands me the shoes on the floor one day. And I said, I'll just set them in the back. I'll get them. And I, and I said, please give me the bill. Oh, there's no charge for you. I said, okay, I'll talk to you later about that. So on the floor at that time was ex-buyers, some very experienced people. And there was a gentleman there. We called him the colonel. Mm -hmm. Same age as me. And I, I said, you've been here a long time. I said, how does this work down here? He says, here's how it works. He says, if you want to always be above and beyond reproach, he says, you will pay for that. Because it's a microcosm. Mm -hmm. But if you're willing to take that, then where do you draw the line? Mm -hmm. And I, I took that to heart. I mean, I, my gut was that's what I was going to do anyway. Right. Uh, but talking to Mark about it, it just thought, yeah, right on. That's exactly what I was thinking. Right. Exactly. You know, you take one little thing and, you know, it just gets easier and easier. Right. And then the next thing you get into is, you know, buying off politicians. But that's another podcast. Let's take a quick break. And then when we come back, I want to talk to you about with home insurance and car insurance, all the different kinds of unique things that you're able to account for and uh, taking into consideration and also giving folks tips about things they should think about when they're looking for insurance. So we will be right back with John. And this is Plateau Partners Pulse. With over 270,000 members in over 9,500 chapters across 70 countries, BNI is the world's leading business networking and referral organization. To learn more about BNI and what it can do for your business, go to BNI.com. There, you'll find answers to frequently asked questions, and you can locate a chapter to visit or join that suits you and your business. Again, that's BNI.com. I am back with John Sefton of Borderline Insurance, and we have been talking about John and insurance and his history with it and those pieces. And there's some a couple of important things that I want to talk about. One would be we live in a litigious society. Everybody finds a reason to sue somebody for something. And I have talked a lot in this podcast season about the hose on my front walk. <laughs> that every single person has had to walk over and around and whatever. I talked to Troy about it. If somebody falls down and, you know, something happens, I think I talked to Justin about it. And so now I'm going to ask you about it. In terms of insurance and coverage of things, there's liability. Talk to me about liability. Okay, well, let's talk about what liability means first. Liability covers you and your household members on a home policy, for example for bodily injury and property damage that you do to other people or other people's property. The cool thing about a homeowner's policy on the liability, most people don't understand, is it follows you. So if you and Peter are at a cocktail party tomorrow night and you happen to bump into an expensive vase on a coffee table and you break it, it's a $5,000 vase, your homeowner's liability will respond to that. Really? Mm -hmm. It's true. Not that exact thing happened to me, but something like it many, many, many years ago. Automobile. Liability, you run into somebody or you run into another car or you run into a building, you've got bodily injury and property damage coverage uh, to pay for that up to the maximum of, of your limits. Okay. Let's say you have uh, 300,000 combined single limits. In other words, 
$300,000 for bodily injury and property damage limit on your car. And you hit somebody and the total payout is $600,000. Well, if you don't have an umbrella, I'm not sure how you're going to cover that extra three hundred grand. You might have to work something out. I don't think they could take your home, but they could garnish your wages. It depends on what the man or woman with the robe has to say. But for very little money, really, it's probably the best value on the, on the market for an insurance product is an umbrella. So in an average umbrella, say you got a couple cars and a home, it may cost you $300 a year for a million, extra million dollars. Which is, you had us do that. You know, you, you made sure that with all the things that we have and, you know, assets that people can go after and those kinds of things, I think you actually saved us a couple hundred dollars annually and you got us more coverage and you had us get an umbrella policy. Correct. Or something like that. Correct. And that goes over the house. So if you're having that cocktail party at your house and somebody falls off the patio or gets hurt somehow, you've got plenty of coverage and it goes over your auto as well. And the reason, the reason they're so inexpensive is it's very rare that they're pierced. Is that because people don't know about it? Is it because... No, I, I, I think, um, in other words, first of all, you have to have certain a certain amount of limits on the underlying to have a million-dollar umbrella. If it was Safeco, for example, you'd have to have 250000 medical per person and a half million medical per accident. Okay to get that million dollar umbrella. And then if you want higher limits on the umbrellas, they're going to require you to have a half million combined set of limits. So that's that's part of the reason because they have higher limits on the underlying that will cover more. And it's more than likely if, if it is going to get pierced, it's going to be on the auto loss versus the home per, per statistics. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I would imagine that more car accidents and and situations like that happen. And then if you get into an accident with somebody that doesn't have insurance themselves, um, you know, your insurance is paying for things and whatever. So I would I would think that just generally there would be more way more of that than random home accidents. True. There is a new product out. I mean it's not brand new, it's fairly new. On the umbrella with some companies, you could also perch purchase million dollars for uninsured motorists. So the uninsured motorist protects you and yours and your vehicle for bodily injury and property damage. So if they hit you and you have two or three people who get injured really, really bad, sure. and you have matching limits of, say, 250 500 and that's not enough, now you've got an additional million on top of that for yours and yours and yours. But it's, it's not, that's not an inexpensive coverage. It's usually... Uh, it's usually not maybe doubling the price of the umbrella, but pretty close. Okay. And so, and that's protecting you from that uninsured motorist. Correct. Okay. Interesting. Underinsured or uninsured. And we figured today in Washington, best guess is probably one in three. Or underinsured or... Don't have insurance. Wow. Wow. I was thinking that that number was going to be underinsured. I didn't think that that was going to be uninsured. And meanwhile, aren't you like... Aren't you, in theory, legally obligated to have Correct. insurance for your wow? You are, you are. You're legally ob obligated in the state of Washington to have the state minimum, which is twenty five thousand per person, fifty thousand medical per accident, and ten thousand dollars for property damage to the guy's car. To give you an actual example, my niece 
when she was in Woodenville High School, she was jumping across the ditch on her way to class. It was in the morning. Parents were driving around. Father hit her. Uh, he was doing 20 miles an hour. It was a busted femur. He hit his daughter. He hit, he hit my niece. I'm sorry. I don't mean to laugh. That is so me. I yeah. laugh in uncomfortable situations. <laughs> but that busted femur. Yeah. Busted leg, basically. With therapy, you know, physical therapy and everything else, it was 80, 80 grand. Did she sue him? No, he didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> Teasing. No, he really didn't. He didn't do anything wrong. Of course. I mean. She ran out. She jumped the ditch and it carried her right in front of the car. It's she an accident. Yeah. She wasn't looking. and But it cost $80,000. Wow. That's an 80. And, and that's a broken leg. That, yeah. Wow. You know? So it's, uh, things are very expensive out there. Things are very expensive. And now there's some folks, obviously, that making sure, speaking of uninsured and, and whatever, whether it's with. You know, your car insurance, that's one thing. And then you get into homeowner's insurance mm -hmm. and you want to make sure that you have enough insurance. And if you are fortunate enough to have some assets, some other toys and things like that, I want to talk about how you make sure that that's covered. And is there additional things that you should consider? Art, I, as I sit in my home and I have a ridiculous amount of art, by the way, none of it Picasso's, but Picasso's in my heart mm -hmm. and or jewelry or collections of things. Is that something that you let your insurance agent know? Yes. And, and I make it a habit of asking particular questions when I'm dealing with somebody new. Does your house have an alarm? Is it a monitored alarm? Do you have any items, valuables you'd like to have scheduled? And do you know what a scheduled item, what, what, what that is? No. Uh, so all policies have inside limits that, you know, uh, 500 bucks for silverware, uh, might have $3,000 for collectibles. That could be art. That could be stamps. That's all subject to the deductible. Now, the typical deductible that I will put on a homeowner's policy today, because I believe the higher deductibles and lower premiums, in other words, pay for the smaller stuff yourself and save yourself some money, save yourself some money in the long run. Mm -hmm. I'll do a thousand dollar deductible on the home. So if you have an item that is worth $2,500 and it's covered under that $3,000 inside limit, you're going to get 1500 bucks after the deductible. If you schedule that item, it is not subject to the deductible. And take women's earrings, for example. Great example. What will typically happen is she will lose one of them. Yes, she will. Right? So if it's scheduled, it covers those earrings for... Lost, stolen, mysterious disappearance, or destroyed. It's all risk. So if the earring comes off and you run over with a car and crush it or something, uh, it's covered. It's covered. Wow. And it's not subject to the deductible. You pay for that. Sure. And then on, on most items, you could schedule them without an appraisal uh, up to about nine or $10,000. Okay. $9,000 or $10,000 are over. They require an appraisal. Uh, whether it's jewelry, art, whatever, and it has to be no older than three years old, the appraisal. Okay. So let me translate for those of you that are listening, myself mostly. So schedule means basically highlighting an item that is of value mm -hmm. and making sure that that becomes an exception so that it doesn't get lumped into other household properties. Mm -hmm. And it's something that you should have appraised and you should, in theory, have it appraised every three years so that it's current and you can get that value. I don't know that every three years is practical. I'm going to tell you that the insurance company is going to require you to have it appraisal that's no older than three years. Okay. 
But you're talking more valuable items. Yeah, it's prudent to get them appraised. How often that is? And and uh, is it five six five six years? Right. You know. And is it going to change value? I yeah. mean, you know, it's one of those things where if you're a collector of something and you know that this, you know, this bottle of crazy wine is actually going to double its value in yeah. five years, then you might want to get it appraised yes. again. Yeah. But if it's something that it's the value of gold and it's not necessarily going to raise significantly, right. then you maybe don't need to do that. Correct. Now, in terms of appraisals, is that something that do you have people that you know that you can recommend that do that? For art and jewelry, I do, yes. Good to know. Not that I have any art or jewelry in my home. I would like it to be known. Okay, that's good to know. And making sure that all of those extra toys and things that you may have, that you also make sure that those get covered. So if if I have a race car, then do I have to take into account that and... Like, you know, does that affect things? That would go under a collector's car policy. And if you're out racing it down at the track, which a lot of guys do, there's two different things you can refer to it as. A defensive driving course Mm -hmm. or racing. And if it's a defensive driving course of some sort, then it's covered. But if you're racing, it's not. Interesting. Who gets to decide what it's called? The business. Well, the customer. (laughs) They're, They're the boss. Got it. Got it. Okay. That is worth noting. And then the last thing that I want to talk about before we start to wind up here is with homeowners being on the West Coast, on the East Coast, we had to worry about things like, you know, hurricanes and a tree falling on your roof and those kinds of things. On the West Coast, we have a whole new group of things. Um, There are fires. There are the potential of an earthquake, Um, you know, I don't know, mayhem, doom. How does that affect your coverage? Is there things that are local to certain areas? I know that, you know, if there's a chance that you're going to have a landslide, you have to have extra coverage. So how does all of that work too? So there's two forms on a homeowner's policy. One is called an HO3. It's pretty much the same throughout the industry. Then there's a higher end home for higher end homes and mansions called an HO5. And the difference is all those limits, inside limits we were talking about, they're Mm -hmm. all expanded. So instead of three thousand inside limit, now you're going to have a ten or fifteen thousand dollars inside limit. Uh, the coverages on the house uh, replacement costs are going to be guaranteed versus a certain limit plus extended replacement costs on an HO three. But what if my house is in a mansion, but it's affected but you, by? But it does not include earthquake. Okay. It includes wind in the northwest. So if you're down in Tornado Alley, you would have to buy a separate wind policy. Not so up here. Okay. It's included. So earthquake is not included. Some carriers, you can include it. There's other carriers that don't do earthquake at all. Allstate doesn't do earthquake at all. And there's other companies that are thinking about getting out of it. Safeco, because of the saturation in the Northwest market, years ago, got off of earthquake and they do what they call a mini policy now, which I don't recommend and I don't like selling it. Then there's flood policies. Mm-hmm. And those are separate policies too. A regular HO3 or HO5 do not cover those things unless they're unless they're added on to that policy. And a lot of companies that want they have to go out and buy a separate policy. A lot of companies you could add earthquake, mm-hmm. but you cannot add flood. Most of your flood is all written through FEMA. There are some private companies doing flood now. They're good policies. They're better than FEMA. They're better limits than FEMA. But you're paying double and triple for it too. 
Now, you know, you talk about Tornado Alley. What about in the parts of, I'm thinking of Washington in particular, where forest fires seem to be a common occurrence? So is that just part of your home insurance? Or is there like an extra thing that you can do there because you've chosen to be in an area that is prone to this risk? Most carriers are still riding uh, in in areas, almost all areas in the state of Washington. If you're in the state of California right now, it's a different story. There's a lot of carriers that have pulled out of certain areas of California, and there's very, very few carriers that will write homeowners. Because they don't want to get burned? That's right. See what I did there? Very good. Thank you. You're going to pay a higher rate. There's a, a rating thing called protection class, and it goes one through 10. And the higher is the less services available. So Seattle's a two, Bellevue and Kirkland are a four, so on and so on. Okay. You get out into the eastern Washington, you get out, far, farther you get out away from services, it, it's typical to get up to six, seven, and eight. Oh. And the, the higher the protection class means there's, may not be a hydrant within a thousand feet. There may not be a full-time fire department, maybe a part-time fire department, and they've got two tanker trucks. Right. That type of thing. So you pay a higher rate because of the protection class as well. But there's no, there's really no there's super policy out there like. for high, maybe that product will come out someday. I don't know. It's not here yet. Okay. There is another policy that's called a difference in conditions policy, a DIC policy. And I write a few of them, not a lot. So you have a home that's on a, the backyard goes out 20 feet and then it's a steep, steep hillside. Mm-hmm. And it may have shown maybe some erosion. So it could slide. Sure. So a DIC policy can cover earth movement, including a landslide caused by flood or earthquake. So it covers any earth movement whatsoever, whether it's caused by water, earthquake, or whatever it is. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't think insurance was that interesting, and you have <laughs> proven me wrong. Well, because you are... You are protecting your assets, and it's important that you you have built this life. And whether it is your you know your little starter home or whether it is your dream home, yes, you need to protect it, and you need to protect people that you love, and you know protect your others. Yes. So, how do people get in touch with you? Because after they listen to this, naturally they're going to want to review their insurance, and so. If people want the opportunity to work with you and have you take a look at their current policies and see if they are um, really set up with the right things, how do they get in touch with you? You can go to our website, boardlawinsurance.com. Well, that's easy. You just keep things so simple. Keep it simple. I know. I'm like, you know, is like the O silent? Nope. It's just boardlawinsurance.com. Okay. That's really easy. Call me. Email me. I just heard like, call me, like, whatever. Okay. Um, Thank you so much for being on this episode. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Absolutely. I just, you know, as I said, you are the calm in what can be a really stormy part of people's lives, you know, thinking about those things. And, you know, it's an expense that you don't think you want to have to make, but it's an important thing to protect your assets. And you are just such a calm influence. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Well, 
<laughs> yes, I am. As are you. Anyway, thank you, John Sefton, for joining us. And um, make sure that you continue to listen to Plateau Partners Pulse. We have lots of great conversations with some amazing business owners that are in our Plateau Partners BNI chapter. So thanks for listening. And we will see you next time.